When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish, the podcast where you should top in the name of love. My name is Kyle Getz, and I'm here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And as you have already noticed, Mike is not here. He is traveling for work, so I hope Mike is having a great time in Paris or wherever he is at this point in his journey. Uh, instead, we have a guest co-host, Chris Hagee from the We Read Movies podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hi, everybody. I, I bet that Mike is having a great time in Paris, if I know anything about both Mike and Paris. Yes, I think he I think he will be having he will be enjoying his week off and also working at the same time. So good for him. Um, Chris, what are you drinking there? Uh, I have a, a, a view carré, uh, kind of. I, I use cherry hearing instead of sweet vermouth. Uh, and I use a, a Szechuan peppercorn bitter instead of Peychaud's. Um, but otherwise, it's just like a classic New Orleans cocktail. It's like a, a fancy uh, Manhattan. It's a little bit sweeter. I didn't understand most of the ingredients you said to me. So that's great. <laughs> Are you setting up for your gayest thing already? Uh, I, I mean, it's a it's a brown liquor cocktail, which is basically oh, okay. just straight liquor. So I feel like it's it's not particularly gay. Although oh, okay. I did see it uh, used in a movie recently, uh, a gay movie as an example of somebody being sort of uh, high maintenance and insufferable. Uh, that's pretty gay. Those are yeah. gay stereotypes right there. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's 7 p.m. We're recording a podcast and I wanted to have a cocktail uh, because I don't have a man in my life to tell me not to, which is foreshadowing for something Ooh. we'll talk about later. We can tell we're going to talk about being single because that's both of us. Uh, right now. It's true. Also, I assume that the audience will have seen the title of this episode, so it's not really a surprise. You potentially looked at the title as you pressed play, but maybe you mindlessly did it and forgot. Who Possibly knows? somebody kidnapped you and put a blindfold on you and forced you to listen to this podcast in a jigsaw <laughs> style tor- torture, I guess? That's not right. Yeah, yeah. This is th- <laughs> the ultimate torture. We'll be playing episodes of Gayish, but it'll just be this clip like over... <laughs> And over and over and over. It's going to be horrible. Um, okay, we are, we are going to talk about being single. But first, we are going to do the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News, news, news. <laughs> I was doing the song in my head. I like. Yeah, I was too. I was too. <laughs> news the first. Ron DeSantis released a bizarre anti-LGBTQ and anti-Trump video. This is from NPR. Have you seen this video yet, Chris? I have not seen the video. I saw the backlash to it, and I sort of just decided that it it doesn't ultimately matter to me what he puts out there. I'm never going to support him. So watching it would have only served to make me me angry. Uh, And I've resolved not to be as angry this year, I guess. I don't know. Is that... Is that working so far? Oh, boy, it is not. Uh, but <laughs> but the nice thing now is that not only am I angry, I'm also disappointed at myself for being angry. So, wow, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. <laughs> Connected to the news or being single? Which part of our which part of our episode are oh, you well, relating we're, this we're, to? We'll, we're spoiling stuff for later on in the podcast, but I love being mm. single. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell us any more about that. Cause I first have to tell you about this dumb, dumb video. Um, I only watched it for research purposes. I would not have watched this video had I not. It is, it was shared from DeSantis's uh, campaign team's Twitter account and it shows Trump's pro LGBTQ comments and pro LGBT speech. Is that uh, just highlight- him holding up the, the, the rainbow flag with the sharpied <laughs> LGBTs for Trump written on it? I believe that's in it. Um, there's also him saying that he would let Caitlyn Jenner use whichever bathroom she wants to. Uh, Not where I thought that sh- sentence was going, but okay. <laughs> after showing all of Trump's pro LGBTQ uh, messages or speech, it then shows DeSantis's anti-LGBT and anti-trans headlines uh, clipped in among short videos of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street, Brad Pitt from Troy, and bodybuilders. That's, uh, that's, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I try not to swear too much, but that's fucking weird, especially because if you read the books, Patrick Bateman is bi. There. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Well, he's like sort of, he has gay experiences in the book. Oh, I didn't know that. He's where I got my fetish for dudes flexing while they fuck me. It totally makes sense. He's, <laughs> <laughs> that scene is a very sexy scene and it is, you know, it's very much like a male gaze sort of situation. It's like, uh, who is that guy who did uh, straight guys for gay eyes? That, that oh, porno, Jake yep, Cruz. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's having sex with a woman, but like the attention is on him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's where I got my fetish for guys dropping chainsaws on me. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> Only down stairwells though, right? Right, yeah. Okay. But yes, yeah, so um, I, I didn't see this the video, but I saw that uh I saw that a bunch of, you know, sort of log cabin Republicans or whatever we call them now just uh LGBs without the T people uh who are like, "Wait, you know, I didn't expect the leopards to eat my face. That is precisely what uh, they mentioned next in the the Log Cabin <laughs> Republicans. If you don't know, that is a conservative LGBTQ group. Or is it LGB? I don't, t- Some okay, of them the, are. Uh, I mean, I think Caitlyn Jenner would consider herself probably a Log Cabin Republican. That would make sense. In some probably. capacity, whether or not they consider her one is another story. Yep. It is a conservative gay group. We'll just say that. And they said that DeSantis's rhetoric. I can't say DeSantis's. That's a hard it's word a, for me to it's say. It's a lot of, it, there's a lot of S's in there. That's the only reason I don't support him. Um, <laughs> they said that his rhetoric had, quote, ventured into homophobic territory. Ventured, yes. It dipped a toe in. <laughs> just just finally appears to be a little homophobic. Uh, the Log Cabin Republicans president, Charles Moran, which I'm assuming it's Moran. <laughs> That's not I, his name, right? <laughs> it literally is. M-O-R-A-N. <laughs> Charles Moran. Okay. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, good work. Um, they, they changed it at Ellis Island from two O's. <laughs> Probably. Um, Charlie said, quote, you've got some strange imagery of Ron DeSantis being between two oiled up hunky type of men. I mean, the ad smacked of both homophobia and homoeroticism at the same time. 
which I think homo- homophobia often does uh, straddle that line. I absolutely agree. It's yeah. a it's a weird ad. I know, like we don't want to give him the numbers. If you do want to make yourself a little bit angry and venture, look, it's it's a bizarre, bizarre video. News the second, Stanley Tucci weighs in on whether straight actors should be able to play gay roles. This is from a CNN article. Uh, Stanley Tucci, who is straight, has portrayed Garrick. Gare, care, gare, 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 characters. We call them characters for short. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've always called them that. Uh, and you can't prove otherwise. Uh, <laughs> he has played characters in 2006's The Devil Wears Prada and in the 2020 film Supernova. Uh, he did an interview with your. Co- Do you- I don't remember that movie. <laughs> I don't either. I had never heard of it, okay. but apparently he plays a character there. Hmm. Tucci did an interview with BBC Radio 4's Desert Island Discs, and he said, quote, you're supposed to play different people. You just are. That's the whole point of it. Uh, Now, Chris. Okay. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Withering sigh. Yeah, you did a great eye roll. uh, Liz Lemon eye roll. What? Uh, This is always the debate, right? Like, I I think that, yes, you are supposed to play uh, different characters, but... If there was a lot of gay actors playing straight, this would be a different discussion. But there aren't. As it as it usually stands, if you are a gay actor, you can only play gay. And on top of that, if you're a straight actor, you can also play gay. So like it just means that there are so many so few roles for gay actors, and then on and then for a straight person to to, you know, take that uh is fine if it went both ways. If if gay people were were frequently playing romantic leads uh in straight rom-coms or whatever uh that would be one thing but we're not so i don't know yeah. he's also an ally like i like him uh wasn't he in uh love simon wasn't he also like the dad in that no that was josh jamal was the dad in love simon oh fuck you're right what am i thinking of am i just thinking of easy a maybe i don't remember anyway he <laughs> <laughs> he plays a cool dad in something Uh. (laughs) i completely agree i think a lot of the time uh, times when straight actors talk about playing gay roles they live in a hypothetical world that doesn't exist of what should be and i completely agree we should exist in a world where straight can play gay but as you said and gay can play straight uh yeah and it's also i don't know the the thing about that that sentiment is that it's always a little bit self-serving it's the same way that like tom uh tom hanks was like well you know, nepotism in uh, in Hollywood is like, fine, look at me and my nepotism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're but you're benefiting from that. So, of course, you think that. Yeah, I, I always think it, especially with major actors that are already well known playing a gay role, because I could see if you're trying to get your foot in the door and you're straight, like you might fucking do anything. I don't give a shit about the politics of it. I will play gay whatever needs to be done for me to get like get a role. I can understand that. But if you're already famous, you have the uh, like power in this situation to say no, and you will still get another role sometime in the future. Yeah. Stanley Tucci is not is not hurting for roles. Right, right, right. Uh, Tucci also said, quote, I am always very flattered when gay men come up to me and talk to me about the Devil Wears Prada or they talk about Supernova. Do they? And they say that <laughs> again, I've was, never heard of this movie. <laughs> never heard of it. And they I say have a gay that, movie podcast and I've never heard of this movie where he <laughs> if, plays gay. And I don't know. So it's not no any gay about person this. was going to know about it. It would be you right here on this. Um, I picked the story for you. Oh, okay. um, 
continuing his quote, it was just so beautiful, you know, you did it the right way because often it's not done the right way. So here's this really, uh, this sounds like I have a gay friend kind of (laughs) sentiment of like, oh yeah, gay men come up to me all the time and talk about how well I did at it. Uh, So he's like giving himself a compliment by way of non-existent gay person that is talking potentially to non-existent I'm, I, i'll yeah. give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and say that like i i don't doubt that people come up to him all the time and they're like i love doing double wears prada i think that you might actually be gay potentially uh if mm. they like just saw him in that and and didn't kind of read the trades or whatever but i it, it's also <laughs> you've invented a, a hypothetical it's this is not the same at all, but uh, it's it's kind of like uh, when when Trump would be like, you know, this big burly trucker man came up to me, tears in his eyes, said, Mr. Trump, you're the greatest person in the world. Uh, it, it's self-aggrandizing. It's giving. Yeah, as you say, it's giving yourself a compliment uh, yep. through somebody else who may or may not exist. Yep, exactly. I think he's very right that it can be done very wrong. James Corden recently got in trouble for this for doing it not very well. So there are people that are straight and still do a good job at acting in gay roles. And that's kind of the the minimum expectation, though, if you are going to play a gay role, that you not do it in a stereotypical way. You're talking about when James Corden played that gay cat in Cats? <laughs> what? No, I'm kidding. What? No, I know it was prom, was but... The... Uh... <laughs> It was prom. I didn't know. Th- I, I don't even know that like the film or anything about it other than he played gay and did it not great. And everyone was angry at him. We call it on, on, on our podcast. We call it a minstrel show. Uh, it's, um, it's sort of a, 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 a gay face um, hmm. where you have a straight actor who plays gay, super over the top uh, and, and vaguely offensively or straight up offensively in the case of James Corden. Yeah. Do, do you give a pass to people who play gay very well? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, the other thing is I give a pass to anyone who convincingly smooches a dude on camera. Because that's uh, the other thing that doesn't happen a lot is, you know, you'll have these gay, these, you'll have these straight actors playing gay. And then they'll, you know, they do the, the Will Smith in uh, Six Degrees of Separation thing where they they lean in for the kiss and then it cuts to like another shot of behind their head. So you, that you can't see their lips. This is what pen 15 did to, in order to not have their adult actors kissing actual junior high kids, which in that case, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot of sense too. That's just the first but thing like, I thought of where it's like, I, you have to cut, cut it like that. I don't know. Like I I've, when I was an actor in high school and an and openly gay actor in high school, I smooched so many ladies on stage. That's just what you do. It's yeah. It's really not that big of a deal to just kiss a dude. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. It should. It shouldn't be. <laughs> and yet. And yet. <laughs> News the last trailblazing lesbian activist Lily Vincent's uh, died of natural causes at the age of eighty-five. This is a new story from them. Us. Uh, Vincent's was born in Germany and immigrated to the U.S. at the age of twelve. In the 1960s, she joined the Mattachine Society, making her one of the first lesbians to join a group that was predominantly gay men. I was going to say, it's surprising that she didn't join the Daughters of Belitis. She wears that bullet. She is a mem- She was a member of the first national lesbian organization, the Daughters of Belitis. So there you go. She is one of 10 people that picketed outside the White House in 1965 in what is thought to be the first demonstration for gay rights. 
She was the co-founder of the newspaper, The Gay Blade, which became the Washington Blade, which is now the country's oldest LGBTQ newspaper. She's also a documentarian and uh, papers and films of her from her are available in the Library of Congress. Well, it's it's sad that she passed, although I always think that uh, when I hear a story like this, that it's it's nice to kind of reflect on uh, their life and their achievements. Um, so you said that she's a documentarian. I would love to. Yeah. Well, I don't have to do that while I'm on the air with you, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to. Right now, everyone stop <laughs> and we're going to go look her up. That would be, that would be better time spent than listening to this episode, I'm sure. But we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think that also celebrating like it's a new thing to be able to be old and gay and die of natural causes like that's worth celebrating i think especially nowadays we think particularly of trans people like seeing elder trans people is like a celebration because yeah. that's a new thing that that we get to have yeah and especially uh activists because you know there's so many stories of activists who uh you know in the in the sort of heady days of like the first gay liberation movements uh, or, or marches uh, just turned up dead and the police never looked for mm. them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that was Lily Vincent's. So thank you to Lily for everything she did for LGBT people. Speaking of people that do things for LGBT people, I would normally thank our Patreon members right here. We have no new names to announce. So this is your call out. If you want to get bonus episodes, content episodes a day early, uh, what else? Discounts on live show tickets. There are lots of benefits available at patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Kyle will mispronounce your name. I will say your name wrong or... <laughs> I've got, if it's an easy one, <laughs> you'll give me a free home run, which I always appreciate. Uh, so yeah, sign up now. I don't know. You called me crease uh, when, when I did it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel like an easy one is not, is not accurate. <laughs> it's, that's true. There are no easy ones when it's me doing the pronunciation. Crease Haigi. <laughs> that's better than I get at the, at the DMV. <laughs> great better than the dmv that's my guarantee to you if you sign up for patreon all right chris are you ready to talk about being single i'm so ready to talk about being single i have a year of being ready to talk about being single you've been doing research for the past year do you uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're at before we get into the gata Sure. Yeah. So uh, I was in a like nine year relationship uh, that just ended about a year ago, uh, very shortly after my birthday. It's not important. Wait, no, that's not true. Very <laughs> shortly before my birthday, even worse, uh, mm. which always <laughs> when that happens, it always feels a little bit like they did it to get out of giving you a present. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I've been single for a while. I it. It ironically means that I've been having a lot more sex and I kind of love it. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, a romantic or anything like that. I, I envision myself having, you know, uh, a long-term boyfriend again. Um, but for right now I'm living my, my, uh, freewheeling single life. See, I was expecting, because I, I did know this about you and part of the, you know, impetus of, of picking this topic, um, and I would expect a little bit more lamenting or 
still in the grieving process or getting over it. And that does not seem to be the case. No, I, like I say, I love it. I mean, the biggest, when it happened, when the breakup happened, the biggest regret that I had was just that it hadn't happened sooner. Like if it's going to happen, uh, it would have been nice to have been like, I think, I think I look okay, but it would have been nice to be like hot (laughs) when it happened. Uh, So... (laughs) Do you, uh, is that, is that a goal is to be hot when you're single? I I mean, it's certainly the stereotype, right? Like you, you go into a breakup and then you immediately hit the gym, uh, and do that, get, get your revenge pump. Um, so that you, revenge body is for sure a thing. Yeah. So that you win the breakup. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, uh, I, like I say, I love it. And we just, uh, we just went. I saw you there, but uh, we just had our pride here in Seattle and pride when you're single. Oh, boy. I smooched so many boys. You did? All like seven. Wow. I'm kidding. It, it was it was more than that. But, I, you know, saying the actual <laughs> I'm number. It was more. <laughs> <laughs> saying the actual Wait. number feels like bragging. I want to hear the actual number. Oh, you. I, you. I, ooh, uh, hold on. One, two, three. List their names in order. Okay. Uh, I feel like I probably smooched over the course of Pride Weekend, who uh, probably 30 different dudes, I that would say. That is a significant number of smooches. Yeah. I mean, they weren't all like in the context of sex. Right, uh, right, right. But sometimes it's just nice to to, to smooch Make somebody. Up. Yeah. It's sort of like smooching, smooching a cute boy at Pride is like a catch and release. <laughs> where you're just like... Go on. I, I don't know. I, I get the validation of the smooch. Uh, they also get said validation. So it's not like a one sided thing. Uh, but then we we move on and uh, we don't have to we don't necessarily have to go any further than that. It's just nice to smooch people. There is. I, I feel like this is not something straight people would have the luxury of doing, especially you're right. Pride weekend is particularly good for this, although I did not I did not smooch anyone this Pride weekend or like over pride weekend which is entirely valid which is which is i don't know if it was by choice or if it was just my anxiety where i was like i'm gonna go home now Uh, i smooched some boys afterwards but that was also in the context of sex but but um uh in the like going to a party and then like making out with someone random and then just like moving on and it not being a thing like i feel like that's not something straight people get to experience as much no, probably not. I mean, I I don't know. I I've never talked to a straight person, so. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I do think that like as gay people, uh, that, sorry, I don't I don't just think this. I I feel like this is a, a fact. But I, as gay people, I think that we have like you know a sort of sexual liberation uh, that they don't have, um, and yeah. part of that is uh, just that like we can we can just smooch random, so, semi random people. Yeah, I, there is uh, there is something nice. I have not thought about this in a bit, but there is something nice about like we're at a party or an event or something. So clearly this is not going to be sexual, at least not right now. There's something just fun about kissing a random person. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> clearly, it. clearly you agree. <laughs> I got a big old smile on my face just thinking about it. What are your do you have any moves for getting a smooch in a public event or party? I feel like moves are like that's like some cosmopolitan magazine nonsense where like yes 
I, the, I mean, the biggest move is just, you know, you're talking to somebody, you're, uh, you, you kind of move in closer, uh, you, you wait for them to follow suit and move in closer to you as well. Uh, th- and that's your key. And then, you know, you, uh, you say that they have an eyelash and then you, you pick it off, you, you blow it away, you, you make a wish. Uh, and then you say, oh, and also you've got something on your mouth and then you kiss them. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, it's a bit of a trick. Oh, works a hundred percent of the time. It works fifty uh, percent of the time. It works a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Great, yeah, good call. Okay, I'm going to share with you some data on being single. So this is from the Pew Research. Pew Pew. Uh, they did a 2019 survey. Oh, I, uh, I also have this, <laughs> this this number. I think. Oh, do you? Ah, fuck! I can't ask you to guess. Okay. Um. Uh, apparently, according to their survey, 29% of straight adults are single. Uh, that is compared. And then this is where I would have asked you, Chris, to guess. But we'll have listener think in your head, since Chris knows the answer, think in your head what you think it is for gays. I don't really know the answer. I saw the answer. But oh, that was like okay. two weeks ago. So have I forgotten it? Probably. Uh, okay. I think Take it's a guess, then. Uh, single single. Uh, is it LGBT or is it just it's, gay people? L- it's LGB adults. Okay. Uh, I think that the number is something around. It's actually, I think it's pretty high. I think it's like 42. Uh, super close. 47%. Okay. Uh, so 40, that 29 for straight adults and 47% of LGB adults are single. So there are, you know, a smaller number of us, but far more in our community that are single. I think part of that is that for straight people, it's often, you know, as we were talking about, we have uh, a, a lot more sort of free association, not free association is not the right word, but uh, we have a lot more freedom when it comes to, to having sex with people. So like with a straight couple, with a straight person, really, they like have to get some sort of relationship going before they start uh, doing the dirty. And so I, I do think that like, a lot of times, I, I I also think that's why you see so many uh, straight people who get married like right out of high school because they're like, mm. I gotta, I, I need to get my dick wet, and the <laughs> only way I'm going to do that is uh, with a ring on that finger, uh, and so you know you have a lot more pairing up uh, out of a perceived necessity. Um, whereas I think with gay people, we have a lot more freedom to find the person who's right for us rather than you know just just a person who's willing. I I agree that we have a little bit more freedom to have sex without the context of dating or a relationship. I also think there's something about the gay people have already broken the expectations in one way. So they're free to rethink how they want their entire lives to look. And I think straight people haven't had the, this is a good thing about being gay, like breaking out of just the conventions and expectations. I think straight people, that's not forced upon them because of their orientation. They're kind of stuck inside the box of this is what you have to do. And so I think more of them might get together, get married at an early age, not because they want to, but because that's just the expectation of straight people. And also once they do that, uh, you know, oftentimes I feel like there's a, there's a kid involved. And so like, you know, there's an expectation that you stay together for the kid. uh, Even if uh, there are other options that you might prefer to do. Yeah. Do you want kids? No, God, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty. You pre- seem pretty sure about that. Absolutely not. I uh, I had a I had a slightly needy dog, and that was too much for me. <laughs> so no, I there's all sorts of things that I don't like about kids. Most of that that is selfish. But my other sort of deep fear is that like if I had a stupid kid, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Like not a medically stupid kid, just like a, a kid who's sort of not intellectually curious. I just mm. feel like I would like that would be the way that some like conservative parents feel about their gay kids. For me, that would just be like I like this is not in God's plan for you. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you do? You want kids? Absolutely not. I'm okay. in the same in the same camp as you, which is weird because when I'm I'm dating, I'm like half dating. I like dip my toe in and out of the the apps, um, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And on Hinge, just about everyone. Th- there's so many of the same people on Hinge. It's frustrating. But one of the things is that like it just says open to kids, and that's like. I don't I don't want you to be open to kids. I want you to be sure that you don't want kids because I definitely, definitely don't. Yeah, I I can't I can't think of anything that would I don't know. We're we're like we're young and happy and gay. We can do anything we want. We can go to PV and like uh go to a bathhouse or whatever. You can't do that with kids. Kids yeah. just ruin everything. Kids do ruin everything. Yeah. And they ruin all your clothes. So also that. Um, my I do have a dog, so I think that's the, that is achieves my maximum ability to take care of a thing that that's the most I can do. Yeah. And I can leave them at home alone sometimes, which is frowned upon with human children. <laughs> More data from Pew. Twenty eight percent of partnered LGB people met online. I'm actually shocked that it's that low. I agree. I would think it'd be like, how else are you really meeting other ways? Who's meeting in person? I've never met a person in in, in real life. Like for <laughs> no, wait, just, just a period? person. I've never met a, a single person in real life. Never <laughs> met anyone in real life. No, but like for reals, I don't, I don't. Uh, well, I guess that's not really true. I, uh, I met a, I met a guy like six months ago at a bar uh, and we, you know, started smooching. I, I did the move. Uh, <laughs> and then we just like, we arranged for a date and then we had a couple of dates. It didn't last, but had it had, uh, I guess we would have met, we would have been one of those 62%, 72%. Yeah. I can do math. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm very surprised that you even met one person that you then proceeded to go on dates with at a bar. Cause I just feel like that, that doesn't really happen, but that must be, I mean, if we got 28% of people like the other places, like through family and friends, that's another, that's a um, common one. I think that's a common that's, one for gay people. No, I think okay. that's the, <laughs> I think that's the most common one for, um, for straight people. But I think through family and friends, I don't, I didn't write it down, but I think it's somewhere near like 24% or it's like the next highest one. Wow. Um, yeah. My, I've never had anyone. I would, love if some of my family or friends would set me up with anyone that they knew that they think I would like. I would be very, I think, receptive to that, like in in a minimum of two ways. One time, I think that my high school English teacher tried to set me up with her son. What? Yeah, it was in high school, obviously. So it wasn't weird. 
but uh, it was kind of weird. Does that make it more or less weird <laughs> than it was while you were in high school? I can't tell. Keep, it was keep going. I, uh, <laughs> it was Mitch. Uh, I shouldn't say her name. It was Mrs. Whatever. Um, she, <laughs> she. I was just like you know one of her one of her good students. She really liked me, uh, and uh, she she certainly knew that I was gay. Um, and so one time we were talking after class and, uh, she was talking about like, oh, do you know my son? He also goes to school here. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I think I've met him once or twice. And, and she went, he's, he's pretty handsome, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) This is the thing we're doing. He was, he was, I would, uh, you know, I would hit it, but it's weird to tell your English teacher that. (laughs) You didn't, you didn't say like, I I would definitely slip my dick in that. Yeah. I feel like the downside with the friends and family introduction is there's always the pre step of like, Oh, let me pull up their Instagram or whatever and show you a picture of them. And it's always like, Oh man, I'm definitely not going to be into them. Right. (laughs) Like it's, they're going to show you someone that you're just going to be like, I have to make my face good and react good and just have a, like a, Oh, Oh, that's yeah. He's cute. I feel like, He's cute is the the response that you have to give. Sure, that's like uh, uh when you're on grinder and somebody says nice. It never means <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, um, when you when you share your pics on sniffies and then uh-huh. they're like, oh, "Okay, cool." <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then you never hear from them again. <laughs> I I feel like that's like uh when somebody shows you a picture of their baby and and you're like, mm. "That's a uh, it sure looks like a baby." I don't know, but that's... you have to you have to think of something nice to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> that's always a bit of a minefield, right? When you're, uh, like, I would never set up two friends because I, I have been set up with people and I've, I, <laughs> there's a moment when you think like, oh, do you think so little of me? <laughs> oh, no. Like, Yeah. Did you like follow through on like did you tell them or did you follow through on like going on a date with them? Uh I feel like I feel like I did the sort of non-committal like saying nice on grinder. I feel like I said the non-committal mm. like oh, okay yeah totally but I'd be down sometime or whatever and then just like hope they never mention it again. Um, <laughs> that, right? I think yeah, like you show them pictures, they're going to do whatever reaction and then if they mention it again, then they're actually interested. Yeah. Like, like you have to be the one to bring it up, not your friends pushing for it. Yeah, but I can't even imagine. Have you ever been set up on a date? I have. Like on an actual date. Have you ever gone on a date with somebody that you've been set up with? Like a blind date? I have had a friend set me up on a date and it, it was something where he was sweet and we even like kissed at the end of it. But it was just like a. But it was I didn't have any kind of any romantic inklings whatsoever towards him so it just kind of fizzled out and yeah i think maybe that's caused my friend to be gun shy about setting me up with anyone else because like that didn't work and she thought it was she like thought she nailed it um (laughs) she thought she had it down i mean in fairness and this is a line that i'm stealing from uh dan savage but uh you know, every every date doesn't work until one does. Like every relationship doesn't work until one does. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily about being set up or not being set up. I was on a date once with a guy that I met on an app who at the end of it told me, uh, I would like you to come back to my place. But two things. One, I sleep in a bunk bed and the other, I'm a virgin. And I went, that's a lot of responsibility for me to give you bad texts. <laughs> uh <laughs> So 
that's going to be the end of that date. Would you date a virgin? Absolutely not. Okay. I'm okay. 37 years old. Sorry, I'm I'm 32 years old. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, no, I have no I have no patience for uh, virgins. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be. I would feel dirty, like hot, not hot, dirty. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. No. <laughs> would you date a virgin? Date. Probably not. I'm like, my goal is to find someone a little older than me and like has a little bit more experience, just overall life and general experience. And maybe like a helicopter. Maybe, you know, if they have one, then that's okay with me. <laughs> not a requirement, but it's a really good to have. Sure. Um, I, oh, wait, I did not continue to read the data. So, um, yeah, if, do, do more data. Yeah. If, if 28% of LGBT people met, their friends online, that number is only 11% of straight people. Uh, that also online. feels so low. I feel what like- What is Hinge the, and Match.com doing? I, I, like, for straight people, I feel like these days, I could see that like 10 years ago, but these days I think all the people I know that are like recently started dating someone, even if they're straight, met them through like Bumble or whatever the straight version of these apps are. I think Bumble. I think Bumble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what uh that's what my my one straight friend, my only straight friend. That's what he uses uh because he says I respect bitches. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I would well, yeah, that'd be like the gay equivalent of like the bottoms have to reach out first. <laughs> well, now here's an app that would get <laughs> irritating. <laughs> The bottoms are required to host or something. What's I wonder what our version would be. All right. This is totally off uh, off topic for, for right. uh, this thing about being single. But I think that if you are a top and you refuse to travel, you are a bad person. <gasps> Why? Because the bottom has to get ready. The bottom might be in there for like half an hour to an hour, maybe. And like they can be doing that while you're on your way. If you otherwise you're asking them to spend half an hour or whatever, let's let's optimistically say half an hour getting ready and then also say half an hour getting to you. That's rude. That's rude behavior. You know what? As someone who often hosts, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I will also add that on Sniffy's, I can see your location. So when you say you are at this street and this street and you're not because I can see that you're only a couple blocks away, I don't know what you're doing there. Well, Sniffy's, uh, I've heard from friends. I've certainly never used it myself. Sure. But uh, it does have a little uh, uh, setting thing that you can do uh, that uh, masks your your location. So it can uh... mask it for up to, I think it can mask it for up to like a mile. Uh, so it basically picks a random direction from where you are and you can set it to be more accurate or less accurate. Uh, again, this is all, uh, what I've heard from sure. my sluttier friends. I've certainly, yes, you definitely <sighs> have sluttier friends. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not a competition. I mean, you know, you know, plenty of people that kiss 31 people, this pride, <laughs> Okay, I will now forgive this one person. I didn't say anything or do anything. I was just like, oh, hey, like, it looks like you're nearby. And he was like, nope, I'm here. And I was like, mm, nope. That's you can incorrect. also set but a, now I know you can set a location uh, that you're traveling to. 
which friends of mine, obviously I've never used it again, Uh but friends Uh of mine who live in South Seattle will do that uh, if they plan on going to Capitol Hill later in the day Mm. and want to set something up for later. Yeah, like or a friend of mine might be like, uh, I'm going to be in Volunteer Park soon, you know, at like 1 a.m. or whatever. Sure, in the... I, I've actually I've never been to Volunteer Park uh, for that those purposes. Uh, yeah. Do we have like an an equivalent of the Brambles? What's the Brambles? Oh, the Brambles is a notorious gay cruising area in Central Park. Um, oh. If you ever saw the yeah. movie Cruising, uh, that's a lot of it takes place in the Brambles. I did see the movie Cruising. I didn't did not make that connection. Yes, but no Volunteer Park very cruisy at night. Okay. It's it's very funny to watch it during the day because there's like families and couples and dogs running around. And I'm like, oh, someone came where you're standing right now. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just funny. In the history of the world, someone came where everyone's standing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Really puts things into perspective if you think about it. But also someone um, died where everyone's standing. So, ooh. oh, but also someone was born where you're po- standing. Very possibly. Yeah. Maybe all three at the same time. Who can say? <laughs> came while someone was born and then died from the childbirth i i think women can orgasm during childbirth right that's what they say i uh i've i've read things that it's actually sort of a uh a kind of gross myth that some people do to make women feel bad about themselves as they're giving birth but also i've heard from some women that they absolutely just you know orgasm during childbirth what i will say is that there's like a 90 percent chance that your mom pooped on you during childbirths <laughs> that's that i have heard as well yeah speaking of none of that speaking of being <laughs> pooped on um let's talk about uh the last gate i have is an aarp study from 2018 uh and it says that gay men are the most likely of any sexual orientation to be single over the age of 45 so, uh, for gay men over 45 that reported being single, what percentage is that, Chris? Oh, boy. Uh, well, okay. So, I'm going to guess that it is around, uh, I'm going to say 59. Super close. It's 57. Ah. Wow. You were right there. Well, That's I really think impressive. We, had this, we had the statistics that uh, 47% of LGB people... Uh, are single. So I assumed that that number would be higher uh, as you got older. But partly, I think that those numbers are potentially skewed because, you know, we had an entire generation where many of them died. So uh, I imagine that if you are of that generation, it's a lot harder to find somebody who's kind of in your same age bracket. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I will read a quote from the study. Uh, Gay men are less connected compared to lesbians on every relationship type tested from LGBT friends to straight friends, from partners to neighbors. So that is kind of a that feels like a dire sentiment uh, when talking about um, kind of the the current state of being you know, over the age of 45, uh, most are single, more single than any other identity. Um, so it, it's 57 for gay men. It is the the percentage of single people is 39% for lesbians, 48 for bisexuals and 50% for trans people. Woof. Uh, well, I so, plan on having a robot body at that point, so I will be fine. Okay. <laughs> is yeah. that going to help? That's going to contribute to It's your... going to be a hot robot body. Okay. <laughs> you can just change out the parts whenever you need. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I just like I, um, I, I, I'm, I don't view that as direly. I think as it comes off, if you consider again, mm. sort of that we had an entire generation of people who were just like, uh, first off, not necessarily out. If they were out, they potentially died because uh, we had a we had a global pl- pandemic uh, uh, that. You know, aside from the other one that we just had, we had a global pandemic that was specifically killing off gay men. Um, so that's sort of less surprising to me that uh, mm-hmm. older gay men have fewer connections. Um, and I'm not sure that that's going to apply to you and I uh, when we get that age. Um, do you I hope not? Do you think do you think about that? Do you think about growing older and relationships? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, yes, I think that that's the that's the thing that people uh, fear the most right in uh, in in being single is that there will be no one to take care of you. And especially if you're gay, like there might not be anyone to take care of you. If you wind up in a nursing home, like they're not all super supportive and they're not all super like um, you might have some orderlies who are just homophobic. Uh, And that's like, that's a very real fear. Um, But I also don't think that, I don't know. I don't see uh, my kind of friend group going away as we get older. And obviously maybe that's naive. Um, But I, I still think that like, I don't know. I plan on being one of those fabulous old gays who wears a caftan all the time and just throws a bunch of like, Super awesome parties. Could we like maybe like make a plan to Golden Girls it? Can can yes. we do like a Golden Girls? Okay. Okay. Mike can be invited. Um, I, and I think maybe we can just make the agreement that if we're with someone, you kind of have to like either kill them or break up. Like, because you have to be single. Those are the, in the, those are the only two ways. Stuff. Kill them or break up. Kill them or break up. Um, I, okay, I could see. Well, Golden Gaze. I mean, we could do. That's, we could do that's obvious. Uh, yeah. There was going to be that show that I think George Takei was going to be in called Silver Foxes, uh, which was supposed to be a gay uh, Golden Girls. That I did not uh, hear about that. It never got made, but um, it was talked about on and off for like three years or something. Huh. So Silver Foxes is also a good name. We could make one that's like looking generations or something like that. You know, like what happens to the looking cast in 40, 50 years? I, I love it. Uh, I mean, it's we're really we're, we're sort of just talking about Tales of the City, right? I don't know what that is. What? Tales of the City was a uh, series of books by who? Auguste Dupont? That doesn't sound right. But it's basically just like it's set in San Francisco. It's a bunch of like uh, intergenerational people all living in one house. Um, most of them are queer they made it into a TV series and then they made it in, or maybe a movie. I don't remember. And then they made it into another series on Netflix recently, about like two <gasps> or three years ago. Only murders in the building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I love Look, you that. can't tell me that Steve Martin's character is not gay. It's so weird that they won't just make him gay. <laughs> another straight actor playing a gay role. Honestly. Um, <laughs> uh, that is all the gata that I had. We definitely stayed on topic for all of it. So I'm glad we got through it. Um, uh, Chris, what do you want to talk about? All right. So I, uh, I I told you already that I have I have a segment that's really more of a rant. Okay. Um, but I'm going to do it. Uh, it's do about it. Parks and Recreation, which I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen it. I've watched the whole thing. I love that show. Yep. Okay. 
So I, I also love the show. Um, and one of my favorite characters throughout the entire thing was Retta's character, Donna Meagle. Uh, you may remember in season three, episode seven, it's the county fair one or the harvest festival. Uh, she gives some words of wisdom. Um, and those words are use him, abuse him, lose him. Uh, and she says that she learned that from Grammy Meagle, uh, who died at 84 sandwiched between two 30 year olds. And there were words that like Donna's character was embodying, you know, she was sort of this carefree, uh, sexually open uh, woman who just sort of did whatever she wanted. But then came the final season where they paired her up with Keegan-Michael Key, which is fine, but they put Mm. them in in a monogamous relationship and had them get married at the end, which Mm. didn't feel accurate to her character. And then Billy Eichner's character who had no romantic interests for the entire thing, in the very last episode, they pair him up with Typhoon, a character who hadn't existed before the second to last episode. Drove me crazy. And it's a thing. I don't remember Typhoon. I can, I've can. i watched that series multiple times, and I do not remember who that is. Uh, Typhoon was Donna's hairdresser, who, after Ron's hairdresser, died i think or retired Mm. i don't remember uh she set them up because uh ron couldn't get a good haircut anywhere else so uh they uh became sort of friends when typhoon said uh that he hated all of the euro trash that had moved into town and ron uh resonated with that because he also hates europeans it's crazy how much knowledge of this show i have in my brain (laughs) Anyway, uh, they get together at the end and then they even like they imply that they're going to pair up uh, Leslie and Anne's kids together. So Mm. no one at the end of the series is unpaired except for series villain uh, Jeremy Jam. And this is just sort of one example, but this happens all the time in media where like in order to have a happy ending, we're told that you need to see a wedding in the last episode. Mm. And it like it, it even goes all the way back to like Shakespeare, right? Because like in Midsummer Night's Dream, you've got uh, Titania who falls in love with uh, Nick Bottom with a with an ass's head, uh, and then there's, there's a bunch of ribald jokes, and people are like switching partners back and forth. But then at the end, all of the eligible people get married, mm. uh, and you you see other things like, uh, for example, uh, even more sex positive uh, stuff. Although Shakespeare was pretty sex positive, but you see even more, uh, even more sex positive stuff like the origin of love song from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which, you know, it sounds nice. But as you listen to it, you realize, wait a second, this is a song and a mythology about how, like, you're incomplete without another person. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, all of these specifically leave out uh, poly couples. They don't count. Mm-hmm. But you, you need to be with one other person in order for your life to have meaning uh, is what all of these things tell us. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I consider that unhealthy. Hmm. Well, what part specifically? I mean, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but, but tell. Yeah, I, I just think that, like, you need to be comfortable with the idea that, like, if you're alone, you're not alone. You have friendships. Uh, you, you're you're not, um, and you're not incomplete if you're not with another person. Hmm. I think that. So, like, <laughs> the 
one of my f- one of my favorite things to watch is trashy Netflix reality dating shows. Okay. Can't get enough of them. But here's the weird thing about them. In them, they always say, and this is kind of like they all they all say the same vocabulary, which makes me think that like the producers are involved in some way. But they all say like, I'm looking for my person or you're my person, which really mm-hmm. just means like somebody that I that I love. And but also so that implies, right, that there's one person that you're kind of destined for. You have a soulmate. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the other thing they always say is, well, I need to find this person right away. Mm -hmm. I'm 27 and I need to get married tomorrow. And so you have these kind of um, conflicting ideas in your head, right? You have you have one that you have that there is a person that either destiny or nature or whatever higher power you want to believe in has ordained for you. Uh, But also it's possible that you'll miss that person that this, that this higher power or whatever is matching you guys together can goof up uh, and then you'll be alone forever. And that would be the worst tragedy. Yeah. I absolutely have internalized all of these messages and it's like very difficult for me to unlearn. Like I am, I, when I started dating, Uh, someone at the age of 27, I was like, Oh, thank God. Because like, I'm, you know, in my late twenties and I'm supposed to be in a relationship by now. So thank God that I'm with someone and it clearly didn't end up working out. And that is deemed then as like past your prime. Like that. I think, I think this is the like heteronormative kind of values that we take and believe that you have to be married to someone in a monogamous couple by your twenties or else you're a failure. Yeah. And I, th- I do, th- I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, when you said sort of heteronormative, I think that's a large part of it because that, I think that idea comes from, you know, you need to lock that down by having a baby, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which if you, if you don't do it by 30, uh, when you're in, a fiefdom or whatever, uh, you you run the very real risk of real risk of dying uh, during childbirth or just not having a child at all. So I, yeah, I think that comes from that that idea of uh, uh, well, I, I think that comes from straight people. Basically, yeah. I, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, there's I mean, just like you have to unlearn the idea that being gay is shameful. I think you have to unlearn the idea that being single in your thirties, in your forties, in your fifties, at whatever age that being single is a failure. And I don't know how to, that's a hard one to do for me. Uh, well, one thing that my therapist told me to do, uh, and I've (laughs) been really enjoying it, uh, is, uh, dating yourself. So just like going to a bar, going to a restaurant by yourself, um, and just sort of enjoying your own company. And that has, that's something that I never did before. Uh, mm-hmm. And I started doing it and I kind of, I don't know, I really enjoy it now. Like it's, it's nice to just be with yourself uh, mm-hmm. and, and comfortable, not, not like having another person uh, to fill the silence with. You you do that? You go to bars or restaurants by yourself? I go to bars by myself all the time. But I also, I, I know a lot of people just because, you know, I'm a slut. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I will almost always run into somebody at a bar that I know. Mm. Um, so I, I, I have no problem going to a gay bar by myself. But uh, yeah, I'll go to a restaurant by myself 
no problem. I sit at the, you know, I sit at the bar for it so that I'm not taking up a table. Um, Huh? But yeah, that is like terrifying to me. (laughs) It is at first. Okay. The first time I did it, I didn't like it. Do you like bring a book or put in headphones or, or do you sit there without anything? I'll bring a book. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll bring a book or I'll, I'll, I try not to be on my phone because that tends to have, uh, that same feeling of, you know, you're kind of filling the void with nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but a book is nice, uh, or, Mm -hmm. or I'll bring work. Um, so if I'm working on, you know, notes for a podcast or yeah. Hmm. I want to get better at feeling comfortable being on my own. Like I'm, I mean, at home I've learned to do this. I think a lot of us had to during the pandemic. If you're single during the pandemic, you kind of had to learn how to be alone um, and and be okay with it, or at least maybe not okay with it, but, but at least manage. So <laughs> I think really I can... like playing uh, Jackbox games on Zoom. Oh yeah, God! So every now and then I start thinking about just going through the pandemic and how shitty it was, and then I'm like, oh, no wonder we all collectively forgot like a couple years in there and have just moved on. That's why anyway. I still say I'm 32. All right, because so many of those years didn't count. Um, well, I gave but, myself a bonus. Uh, you know, it's like when you sue somebody <laughs> for emotional damages or for pain and suffering. Yeah. I, I sued the universe and I they gave me back an extra three years. You won. Wow. Yeah. The the jury awarded you <laughs> several years back. Good for you. Yeah. I'm going to be used as an example of why we need tort reform uh, on universe <laughs> suing, but... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living but until then. Okay. Yeah. But I am not great at doing this in public because I, I think this is part of what comes along with social anxiety is the fear that everyone is looking at you and judging you. 100%. But they're not. Think about the last time that you saw somebody eating alone. Yeah, I don't, I don't you, know. You can't because you didn't notice them. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> if I, I'm trying to imagine looking at someone sitting eating alone and what my thought would be. And it would be like, Oh, and then I'd move on with my, the rest of my life because no one cares about anyone else except themselves. So like people do not care as much about you as, as I think. I think that's another very liberating uh, thought is like most of the time you do not register in anybody's brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You have to be doing something pretty wild to show up. Yeah. And so I don't know. It sounds. Uh, it sounds. It sounds like I'm insulting you, but I, I'm not. It's just like that's a that should that should feel liberating. Yeah. 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 No, it is very helpful. I think the the social anxiety says that everyone is paying attention and judging everything I do, and when you realize the truth is no one actually cares that much, uh, then you can free yourself of the judgment that you are like inventing that people are putting on you. You can start to to free yourself of some of that i went to a bar alone i went to cc's alone and i in order to kind of get through it invented in my head that i was getting stood up for a date like i i came up with a scenario that made me made it like socially acceptable and i I even I feel weird about I even told the bartender I like went up to get a drink and I said, I think I'm getting stood up. It was a lie. I was just I created a lie in order to feel okay about sitting alone at the bar. I don't know if I would say that's healthy, but I guess I I guess whatever gets you through it. I 
invent a lot of like, okay, this is part of like, if I go to QFC and I'm buying, I don't know, let's say an entire cake for myself, I will invent of someone's birthday in my head that like, in the case, this is where like, I think everyone's looking at me, but no one fucking gives a shit. Like, in my head, if someone's like, stops me and says, Oh, wow, you're buying a whole cake. And then I would have ready the lie of, Oh, yeah, it's my coworker's birthday. So I decided to get them this. They love vanilla. You know, I have the whole like story planned out in my head. And I also do not know if that's healthy or cheating or what what that is. I love imagining this other person who would approach you in a at a grocery store and go like, buying that cake for yourself, huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I see you. And then I would drop it on the ground and run <laughs> and never come back to Seattle in my life. I would be gone skis and I would I would move. I would just have to move away because I could never show myself in Seattle again. Um, no. Uh, w- what what advice then do you have for me, someone who's very bad at going to places alone? And I, I don't have the luxury. Like, not as many people know who I am. Like, you host trivia here. A lot of people know who you are. I don't have that kind of luxury of I will probably know someone. So what advice do you have for me? I mean, I guess the the biggest advice is that people uh, like talking to strangers at, at a, in a bar setting. Uh, mm. As long as you are... Uh, kind of normal about it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, as long as you, and I think that you would do this because I know you, um, but as long as you like come up with a way, a reason for them to talk to you, they would like to talk to you. Hmm. Uh, Even if they don't want to have sex with you. uh, I I think that they, (laughs) everyone at a gay bar, even if they're there with friends, they're usually looking for somebody to talk to all gay bars are kind of singles bars in, in that <laughs> respect. And otherwise we would just go to a straight bar and be lonely and sad. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, um, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I guess here would be my advice. I sort of like imagining everyone in their underpants. If you're doing public speaking, just imagine mm-hmm. that everyone else is also there alone. Mm. Also showed up at that bar alone. Oh, I like because that. in a sense, they did. Huh. Unless they're on a date, like unless they're actively on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they kind of did show up alone. They they might be there with like a support group of friends. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the night, they're not going home with those people. They're 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 looking to go home with somebody else. Uh, they're looking to smooch, you know, you in line for the bathroom at CeCe's. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I like that. That's good. That's a good way to think about it. I, I want to jump to something else you said. You talked about soulmates and you don't believe in soulmates. Oh, Can sure. Tell don't. me more about that. Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, I, I think that it just um, I, I think that it's a bit of magical thinking uh, that there is uh, this is not a new or, or original thought, but the idea that you have a soulmate who's out there in the world somewhere and also that you're going to find them, you know, that they haven't been put uh, in Mongolia or whatever um, mm. feels feels very fanciful to me. <laughs> I think that we have a number of people that we would be a good match with. And I, I think that sort of all, (laughs) I think that uh, all relationships are a bit of a, are a bit of not really settling, but like entering into it with the knowledge that there may be somebody out there better for you. Mm -hmm. uh, But also you may never meet that person. And yeah, I don't know. It sounds dark when I say it. 
It uh, does sound dark when you say it. I agree. But like my philosophy in in relationships has always kind of been um, that I am sort of just just there to have fun. And so like as long as we're both enjoying each other's company, uh, then that goal is achieved. I I've never really ascribed something. I don't know, something sort of deeper and more esoteric to love than just like somebody that I really, really enjoy the company of and also, you know, want to rock their bones in, in the in the bedroom. <laughs> Those are the two requirements. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are you? What Are you a soulmate person? No, I'm not. I agree with you completely. Maybe except for the part where you said that all relationships are settling. Um, <laughs> uh, you didn't say that. You, you kind of, you, you didn't say that exactly. I, I, I didn't not say that. It, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, I do not. I completely agree with you that I don't believe in soulmates. And I believe that you're looking for it. Like there's a, there's a small number of people out there that you are going to have a good connection with and your goal is just finding one of those people. I, I tend to think those are, or at least for me, that tends to be very few people. There are people there's, I have friends that like fall in love after like every other date that they go on. And that is, I wish I was someone who could fall in love easily with people that would like felt a connection right away with many people, but I absolutely do not. (laughs) And I just think it's going to be a numbers game. I think I'm going to have to go on if I go on a thousand dates and, you know, 0.01%, then I would do the math on that, but I can't cause I'm gay and some number of that would work out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I also think I have a little bit of a jaded view of, I just have to go on like churn through a bunch of dates and not most of them will not work out. And then hopefully I'll find one person that I connect with. You got to kiss a lot of frogs. It's it's old At advice. At least 30. But also, sometimes those frogs will be psychedelic ones, and then you'll have a good time anyway. That's very true. Some of them will be fun. Well, I think trying to... People have been giving me advice on dating, which sometimes I wanted, and sometimes it's just offered to me on... on <laughs> un, <laughs> asked for. Um, but treating it like... Not like, okay, you're going on this date, so there's pressure to see... It's like go and try a new place like a new restaurant that you've never been to so regardless of how the date goes you can try out this new place or go and get to know this person and it doesn't matter if you like them or not or like you're just kind of exploring who this person is so i i don't know i've been trying to like kind of change my view of dates and it's (laughs) Not really working, but I'm trying. <laughs> I uh, one thing that I always do when I'm on a bad date uh, is that I, I I do two things. One is that um, I I approach it sort of like Studs Terkel, like I'm interviewing this person and I'm getting to know more about their life and like them mm. as a human being, uh, which just kind of expands your your like empathy for other people. You know, it's like yeah. watching good art. Uh, you've 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 talked to this person, even if you don't like them, uh, you now you know, have a better sense of the world because you know about them. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that I do it like, um, I, I do it kind of like practicing for a job interview uh, where like oh. I went on, a, before I got this job, I went on like 15 job interviews, many of them for jobs I did not want. Um, just because going on job interviews makes you better at going on job interviews. Yeah, uh, And so like going on a, 
going on a date and like getting comfortable talking to somebody is kind of, you know, leveling up that skill for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. I like, I like that way of thinking about it. All dates are practice for when the right person comes along, when the right date happens. What's your ideal, um, kind of relationship. If you were to envision like what the right relationship is for you, what is that? Or, or do you even envision that? Do you, do you not want that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I, I want a relationship. I, the, <laughs> I, I laughed because uh, I'm going to tell an inappropriate story. Great. Uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a porno that I believe Treasure Island Media put out. Uh, okay. <laughs> but don't quote me on that. It might be somebody else. Anyway, it was, uh, it was a, if you've seen Treasure Island, you'll know that it was like a gangbang. And uh, this guy's, you know, getting railed by like six dudes. And then at the end of it, one of the guys gets on his knee and opens up a little ring box and proposes to the gangbang bottom. And that was like their, their love story. And this sounds stupid, but I cry at the end of it all the time. <laughs> I all the time because I don't watch it all the time. But like every night before you put yourself (laughs) to bed by watching this, I have seen this. I know exactly what you're talking about. I find it so sweet because it's it's this like so I you know I uh, I'm not exactly poly, but I I, my perfect relationship we would be open in some capacity, Um, and I I just I view this as like the perfect example of what a good open relationship is. It's, it's just that you're very happy that this other person is happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's whether or not you're open. I I think that that is the most important thing in a relationship is um, that, you know, you, you feel good when the other person feels good. So ultimately that's kind of my my only criteria, uh, but also he has to be a Democrat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just for me. That's just kind of an assumed. You like you can't. There's no other. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to do anything else. Yeah, I went on a date somewhat recently, and at the end of it, we were talking, and uh, he said that J.K. Rowling made some good points, and I was like, Oh no! <laughs> oh no! So anyway, um, that was a that was a hard pass. Yeah. What about you? What's I, what's your perfect relationship? I think I'm I'm open to what takes shape, and I don't know exactly what that is. I think there's part of me that likes sex with new people enough that I can never see being like a hundred percent fully monogamous. If if that's what the other person needs, and I you know feel you know, and it's the right person, everything else I could, I could make that work, but I see some kind of, I don't think it would be an open relationship, but I think the door would be ajar and primarily like us hooking up with other people together. Like that seems like my ideal way to like test the waters and, and see how I like it. So I think I don't, I don't know exactly, but that's in my mind somewhere in that zone is, is what it would look like. Monogamish. Monogamish. Yeah. As they call it. Yeah. 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 And I can also see going through like, hey, you know what? It's Pride weekend this weekend. We're at, let's for this weekend. All bets are off. Let's kind of change. <laughs> you know, I could also see it ebbing and flowing depending on what's going on. Like maybe if I'm not like feeling up for sex at a point in time, I can just be like, you know what? Right now I'm not feeling it. 
rules are off, do what we need. So I could also see it kind of changing through the the seasons. I think the hardest thing I idea I have, even though I do want a relationship and I want someone long-term and I want to find a person that is in my life. Um, I also, it's like, you're signing up. It doesn't make sense. You're signing up to be together forever when it's like, who knows who I'm going to be in 10 years. I'm a different person that I was 10 years before and and I'm going to keep changing. And so are you. And how do we know that we're going to change in a way that grows together? Like that, that I, that signing up for that is a wild idea and it's a weird thing that we as humans do. So I think leaving, I, I, I hope that I can find that person and I hope we can leave things, all things about a relationship open to ongoing growing and evolving based on what we need at that period in time. Yeah, I always think there's something a little bit, uh, maybe this is cynical of me, but I always think that there's something a little bit selfish about uh, pairing up with somebody sort of permanently. Uh, mm. You know, that's that's sort of the idea of marriages, right, is that they are harder to dissolve. Um, and that means that you then feel like you have the leeway to not work on yourself as much maybe as a person. Mm. Um because you have this person who's always going to be there for you. Um, and I, I don't always know that that's a very, like a very healthy idea. Hmm. Uh, so I, I like that. I, I don't remember what movie it was. Somebody. Nope. I won't think of it. Uh, but there was, there was a movie where somebody suggested that like every five years or something, you, you redecide if you want to be with that person. Oh, uh, and I, in the movie, I thought it was kind of stupid, but, uh, I think in real life, it's, it's kind of a, a decent idea to just have a check-in where you say like, here's where I'm at. Yeah. Here's where I've, I've, here's the person I've turned into. And here's the person that you've turned into. I like that. Yeah. I, I, and I also th- agree that like, it's easy in a relationship then to just, fall into that and you not to think about yourself as an individual and what you want to need and work on yourself. And so I think that's something that's, I've learned that through past relationships that I need to continue to build my friend group and build my things that I care about and work on things that I like and, and pursue like a relationship with myself. So that's something I'm looking forward to bringing into practice in, in my next relationship. If that, if that happens for me. I also think that like being comfortable being single and being comfortable, you know, being in a relationship with yourself uh, is really important for what you're kind of talking about where, you know, you're not, you're not contractually obligated to this person um, because part of that is you need to feel comfortable, you know, potentially breaking up with that person, Um, which if you're not, then you basically do have that contract Cause you're just, you're, you're too afraid then to break up with them. Yeah. And you know, you see that a lot with like serial monogamists where they, they'll be in a relationship and then the relationship will be flagging. And then oftentimes they'll, you'll, you'll see, they will start lining up other people that they would like to date before they break up, which is just like, I mean, a, it's a shitty thing to do. Cause it's, you know, you're, you're, you're hurting the other person that you're with, but also it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's not good for you because then you're kind of, you know, you're you're exhibiting the same behavior that they are on like Love is Blind, where you're like, look, it's I'm 27. I got to get I got to lock it down with somebody. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So on the Patreon segment, we are going to talk about uh, 15 tips from. Oh, no, sorry. 
On the Patreon segment, we're going to talk about 12 tips from the pride.com website. A the other three were no good. You threw them away. I threw the, I just crossed them right out. They were <laughs> okay. like only monogamy and don't work on yourself. So I threw those out. Um, so we will talk a little bit more about tips for dating to see if we like them. Um, but before that, Chris, any last thoughts on being single? Who? Uh, well, I, I love being single, but if anyone is interested, please. I uh, know I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> do not <laughs> do not email me. Do not try to hook up with you through because of this episode. Please don't. Uh, okay. Let's you know what? Let's be part of that 72 percent of people that met offline. Oh, well, I don't can't imagine that. But sure. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, I think let's take a break. <laughs> this is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. And we're back. Um, we are going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, Chris, where can people find you, follow you, tell us all the things? Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, uh, first off, my name is Chris Hagee. And uh, I, I am one of the three hosts of We Read Movies, a podcast where we watch bad gay movies. And then we talk about them for comedy purposes. Uh, so we have a the episode that we just did was the not was Fire Island, but not that Fire Island. Uh, not the good one that came out in 2022, <laughs> um, but the very bad slasher movie uh, that Jonathan Bennett is in, uh, Aaron Samuels himself. Uh, anyway, that can be found wherever podcasts are bought, sold, or bartered. Uh, again, it's We Read Movies. And then you can also find me, Chris Hagee, uh, at Lighter Fandango on Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, uh, now threads. Uh, I, I can't promise I'm going to be using all of those for very much longer, but I'll find the one that I like and you can find me there. Great. Um, and also if you want a good entry point into, we read movies, we have been, uh, Mike and I have been on the show several times. We are watching the eating out series. So you can check out, uh, some of those and start getting into, we read movies. We only have one more to go. Whew, we've almost made it. We're almost there. Um, Speaking, I mean, that's also a, uh, a very single heavy uh, movie series because it's all about people resorting to anything to try and not be single anymore. I think we always talk about sexual trickery as the one theme that all of these movies have in common. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go check that out. Go check out We Read Movies. A couple programming notes for us. We have a our live shows coming up. We have four more live shows going on this year. So buy your tickets for Chicago, which is on July 29th. Uh, other shows we have coming up. Uh, there is August 13th is San Francisco. Los Angeles is on September 10th. And Houston is on October 15th. You can go to gayishpodcast.com slash live for those tickets. Uh, you can also go to the podcastawards.com and vote for us under the LGBTQ category. You can go to go, go there, create an account. It's real quick. And then just find us in that list and then hit the save button. And that's how you vote for us. So um, please take a five minutes to do that. We would really appreciate it. Um, and lastly, I wanted to thank Edward Wilson. Um, he's from Brown Bear Coaching. He sent us a couple of his books, which are called A Gay Man. Uh, so we really appreciate him sending us those books. Thanks for giving me a gay man. 
uh our contact info our website is gayishpodcast.com we are on some of those socials not all of the ones <laughs> quite yet but we are on threads now but our uh, contact you and three million other people yeah i guess so um at gayish podcast you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails especially your gayest and straightest at 5855 gayish that's 585-542-9474 standard rate supply and our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. I did not write down our post office, but you can find that at gayishpodcast.com slash contact and read it out loud yourself. <laughs> gayest and straightest. Uh, Chris, what's your gayest and straightest this week? All right. So they are related. Uh, my gayest, uh, sorry, my straightest is that uh, this last weekend I slept on basically just the ground because I went camping. Ooh. I know. But here's my gayest is that I did go to a gay campground. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which was I, I okay, I had never been to a gay campground before. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh it was like a I don't know, the they had they had a whole dance floor set up. It had a laser light show. Um it was just like cool to be around a bunch of other gay dudes, most of whom you know, had their dicks out um, <laughs> and then just be sweaty and stinky and sleep on the ground at the same time. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was, it was kind of like being what I imagine a hippie was like <laughs> being gay and stinky. Uh-huh, um, yeah. uh, and that... everyone had mustaches. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, kind of. I had, I had basically as much of a mustache as I have now, which is okay. to say my mustache hairs are slightly longer than my beard hairs. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, okay. In honor of that, I will change my um, straightest is that I am preparing to go camping for a bachelor party. So uh, my prep work to go camping includes like you would think I am a, like all my food is like I don't cook. So I'm bringing all like the straight guy quintessential kind of things like pop tarts and I'm going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So all of my prep work for camping is the straightest thing. Uh, my gayest is the prep appointment that I had with a prep nurse who, um, they kept trying to poke and ask if I needed anything, but I was, you know, I kind of know all the things now and I just need them to test me and refill the prep. And, but what about Doxy? I have Doxy pep. What? Yeah. 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 I need to get on that. You, yes, you do. Um, I did. Somebody at the gay campground had some, so I took some. Uh, oh, okay. After the gay campground for, for reasons that are totally, you know, no, like no big deal. It's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't anyway. matter. It's, it's, if you don't know about Doxypep, you take it up to 72 hours after having sex, either where the, you, the sooner, the better, but up to 72 hours, the sooner, the better. And, uh, it helps prevent, uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea. I think it is not, it is absolutely not as effective as like things like prep, but you know, I might as well help knock a few percentage points off my risks of getting those to be clear it is much more effective than prep at preventing gonorrhea and chlamydia but it is much less effective oh. <laughs> than prep at preventing hiv yes 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 yeah. absolutely um so talk to your doctor if you think that might be if you are single and maybe hooking up and aren't sure of people. Or if you're in a relationship and open and you want to get gangbanged and then have a uh, proposal at the end of it. How romantic. Wait, did we talk about watch... that on this one or the, the Patreon? I don't remember. 
now I don't remember either. And if not, that's just a fun thing you can expect on Patreon, maybe. <laughs> Wherever that was, wherever we talked about that. Um, well, Chris Hagee, thank you so much for being here, for filling in for Mike's Hole. Um, we really appreciate it. I'm always very happy to fill Mike's Hole. Okay. You did a you did a great job at it. That's what I like to hear at the end. <laughs> um, and I also want to thank our super Gap Bridgers, Kit Oliver, Andrew Bugby, William Bryant, Christopher M., John Crowley, Stephen Porch, Yost Osel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Montañez, Wadu, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Michael Covington, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Thomas B., Timothy Sora, T- Dusty Sands, A.E. Coleman, Chris Cachetorians, and Jerome York. Thank you so much for your support, most of all. Uh, that well, that's is- just one name, huh? That's oh, that's all one person. One They're married to name. 25 people, so they have all the last names. Ugh. When some of us are single and other people are married <laughs> to 25 different people. Taking everyone out of the market for the rest of us. That's what Bernie Sanders was talking about. <laughs> uh, that is it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Cachetorian studio. I am Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm here to bridge the gap between sexuality. Oh, I fuck. I didn't say my name. <laughs> We're off to a, a, a brilliant start. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>